Hello, friends. Welcome to the Premature Bible Institute. I'm Doug Scheibel, your free-range podcaster with Ethnos 360. Um, I just want to say thanks to all of you. You have been with me through for this for a long time. Been a little over a little over a year and a half now that I've been working on these. Last uh, lesson uh, really dealt with the culmination of all that I've taught up to that point. It doesn't mean it's finished, but there's uh, but as far as the redemptive work that God had sent His Son to do, it's done. There's nothing left to do. But we want to talk just a little bit, and we want to. Uh, it's not quite finished yet, in the sense the redemptive aspect is uh, finished. But I think the Lord wants us to know one, uh, at least one thing more. And so, I've actually I'm going to uh, finish this off with uh, this one, and then next week what I'm going to do, um, and is going to. Um, talk about what I want to do in the future, uh, some other things that will be along this line, but it's uh, just a little bit different, something that really needs to complete this story. And uh, also, um, uh, they're just uh, do a review of, of some things that you've ha- heard from the very beginning, and I'm sure you already know by now, but it's just kind of good to go back and see some things that God was showing us all along uh, before his son came on the scene. So uh, there's not much more that can be said than what was said in the last lesson. The work of redemption was complete. There was nothing left to do. God's promises were fulfilled. God won and Satan lost, just like always, just like usual. Uh, that's always what happens. God wins, Satan loses, as usual. So is that the end of the story? No, it isn't. Not by a long shot. There's still some things that have to be dealt with. Now, Jesus had fulfilled all that his father wanted him to do, but he was not quite finished yet. There were some things that needed to be wrapped up, uh, tied up, and put in a bow, if you want to put it that way. Uh, He had one more objective to accomplish, uh, and it was going to include another group of people. And we just need to talk about that. So let's see what he had in mind. Before we do, I want to just go through some, some key points in the last lesson. If you remember, the last lesson was a long one. It was a very emotional one for me because I just thought of all the things that the Lord has done for us over the centuries and over the years, and even in my life, in just the short period of time that each one of us has in our lives, the things that he did. So in the last lesson, we talked about Jesus being tried by Pilate, the Roman governor, and he had tried to let him loose, tried to get him free, but uh, the Jewish leaders uh, didn't want to have anything to do with that. The leaders and the people chose uh, Barabbas. Uh, to free, as a custom was in the uh, uh, in Pilate's court, there they chose to have Barabbas freed rather than Jesus. Even though Jesus had never done anything, Barabbas had actually killed somebody. So uh, that's what they chose over one over the other. Um, the Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead at any cost, even if it meant crucifixion, which is the most not only the most horrible way but the most Jew-dishonoring way you could die. Uh, So they really did that. So we saw that Jesus was beaten. Uh, He was mocked by not only the Jewish leaders, but also by the Romans. Uh, He was crucified. He was put up on that cross, nailed up to there. Um, uh, So he was mocked while he was up there. They made fun of him. They told him, if you're God, if you're who you say you are, come on down and then we'll believe you. Isn't it something that they had been saying all along? Do this, do this, do this and we'll believe you. He did that, and he did that, and he did that, and they still didn't believe him. And remember what he said with the rich man and Lazarus? He says, even if one rises from the dead, they will not believe. And so here we go. So he was crucified. He was mocked. Uh, but Jesus' death secured salvation 
for fallen man. Man was separated from God uh, in the sense that uh, because of sin, we no longer could have fellowship with him. But God was able to bring people back. um, And the only requirement that he had was that they believe him, uh, that he was telling the truth about God was saying he wanted them to understand who he was, God the Father, and he wanted them to understand who Jesus was and what he had done for them. So Jesus' death satisfied God's righteous demands for uh, to take care of the sin issue once and for all. Now remember also that it talked about the curtain in the temple was torn in two. When, so when Christ died, the temple where, where the Jews went to worship, there was a big curtain in the center that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And nobody could go into the most holy place except the high priest once a year. And twice on that day, first to pay for or to make a sacrifice for his sins. And then he came out, got dressed in the royal uh, high priest garb, and then went back in and made sacrifice for the people. So, uh, but that temple was torn in two, which signified that now the way to God was open to everybody. You didn't have to be a high priest. There was no special class that could get into God. It was open for everybody. Even Gentiles and a sol- uh, even Gentile soldiers, uh, we see in the scriptures, and uh, a thief on the cross believed Jesus, even when others didn't, which is amazing to me. So after he died, they took him down, they put him in the tomb. Uh, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and he went there. And then uh, what happened after that was um, uh, the women on that third day, they went to the tomb to anoint his body with oils because they thought he was dead and they didn't want to leave him uh, unceremoniously, not unclean, but not taken care of as he should have been. So when they got there, they found the, the, the stone rolled away from there, and there was an angel there, and the angel told them what they must do. In other words, go to Galilee. Uh, the Lord's waiting for you there. So anyway, so that's what happened in the last one, and we see that redemption was taken care of once and for all, never to be repeated again. If we could, if he could, if, in other words, it, well, I'll get into that a little bit later. Sorry, I had something I wanted to say, but we'll get to that another time. So now we want to talk about some things here. Jesus, after after the resurrection, the disciples were in different uh, at different places, and Jesus appeared to some of those followers. Now in Mark chapter sixteen, verses nine through thirteen, it says this: Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So here was Mary Magdalene had been a demon possessed person, and the Lord had cast out seven demons from her. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. In other words, they were just still bummed out that Christ had died. They were just in you know, just sorrow over this whole thing. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not they I'm sorry, they rejoiced and were happy as could be. But that isn't what the scripture says. It says, When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Just makes you wonder, doesn't it? After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And those are the two on the road to Emmaus that we talked about earlier. And they went and they told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So here's everybody that sees them. They tell them about it. He's risen. And they didn't believe. 
It just amazes me. I mean, had these guys been with him for those three years and couldn't figure this one out yet? Remember what Thomas says? If you go, we'll die with you, you know? He told them that he would die and rise again, and so on. It's amazing, isn't it? How could they not believe these eyewitnesses? So, anyway, Mark 16, 14 says this, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So he's, And it's not like he's saying, you have to believe them, believe what I told you, that I would rise from the dead. And uh, But these people believed it. They saw it, and they knew it, and they came back to tell you, and you didn't want to believe them. So I can't imagine how frustrating this might be for the Lord. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know what he actually felt at that at this particular time. But I, for me, it would be frustrating. For I mean, if they didn't believe these people, by nature, what they were doing was calling them liars. They were making this up. They were deceived, one of the others. So to continue to have so little faith uh, by his disciples must have been wearisome for the Lord. It just must have been a real drain on him, you would think anyway. But he's God, and he had patience. And But I think at times yeah, it probably bothered him. They just, oh, ye of little faith. You know, he kind of chided him. But that's what it said that he did, didn't it? He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. So he, put, he scolded them for what they did. So Jesus, after all of this happens, and they talk about it, and Thomas puts his finger in his side, and he says, my Lord and my God. After all of this, they, they're in Galilee, and they go out to this place out in the country and uh, on this mount. And they're sitting there, and the Lord Jesus is talking to them, and he wants to give them some instructions because he's getting ready to leave. Now, he's been with them for a few, you know, for some time here. Uh, not a long time, but just been there with them for some time. And, uh, <clears throat> and so it says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So be it. That's what that word means. And so the Lord came, and he gives them a commission, a a command, a responsibility. Here's what you need to do. He says, listen, guys. He says, all authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven, in the spiritual realm, and on earth, in the physical realm. Which means how much was left over for Satan? None. There was no authority left over to him. Jesus had all authority in heaven and on earth. And why? Because who had given him that authority? He didn't come of his own authority. He came under his father's authority. He says, all authority has been given to me. So that means it came from someone else, which was the father himself. So he says, uh, go, because I have all this authority, I'm telling you, you have the right. You says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All right? And how are you to do that? It says, teaching them, uh, I'm sorry, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. In other words, the things I've taught you, teach them. Let them know. Tell them who I am, and so on. So he did that there in Matthew uh, uh, 28. Now, sometimes we think in Scripture, because we have four different Gospels, and they say four different things, uh, that that's uh, that there's a... 
a problem with Scripture. It isn't. It's from four different viewpoints, and he may have said four completely different things uh, at different points, but it doesn't make any difference. The command is still the same. Do this. Go make disciples. Teach them to do what I've told you to do. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Mark 16, 15, he says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to how many? To who? To every creature. In other words, every single human being on the face of the earth has the right to hear this message from God. Uh, We do not have the right to keep that message from them. And yet people are still not being reached. Why? Because we're being disobedient. We need to be better than what his disciples were. His disciples didn't believe him when they were dead, uh, when, uh, uh, even after he rose from the dead. And even we sometimes don't believe him even when he, we know he's risen from the dead and believe it. But we don't do what he wants us to do. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 24, verses 46 and 47 says this, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, all right? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, all nations, everybody, beginning at Jerusalem, starting right there, okay? So he says when he's talking about repentance, he's not telling them to change their way any more than he told the people of uh, Noah to stop doing what they're doing. What he wanted them to do was get on the ark, And so what he's saying, he says, people, you need to change your mind about who I am, about my son, and what he has done for you. That's what repentance is all about. The word literally means to have a change of mind. But the point of it is, listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't uh, stop sinning. But trust me, you'll find as time goes on, uh, you won't be able to. You still do the things you shouldn't do. And that's what the, the epistles talk about over and over and over again. But the whole point of it is, is that um, uh, we need to change our thinking. Let have our thinking line up with God, so we can evaluate our world from His perspective. Evaluate everything: uh, faith, uh, church, uh, relationships, all these different things need to be evaluated from God's perspective. Repentance and remission of sins. The remission of sins. We need to change our minds so that we don't try to earn our way to heaven. We realize that Jesus Christ did. Remember my quote I used one time before? The good news of the... It isn't me that came up with this. Trevor McElwain did. He says, The good news of the gospel is not that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. He said, The good news of the gospel is that God accepts Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what the repentance is all about. Changing it from me thinking I have to earn God's favor to Jesus gain God's favor, uh, uh, satisfy God's demands. Okay, uh, John twenty twenty one. So Jesus said to them again, "Peace be peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you." So look, just like the Father sent me, I didn't stay in heaven and could have been there for all eternity, and everything would have been hunky dory. No, the Father sent me to do a work. It cost me everything. It even cost me my relationship with the Father for a time. When I was on that cross and sin, I became sin for you guys. So he said, he's done that for us. So um, as the Father sent me, so I, so I also send you. So what he wants us to do is to go into all the world, no matter what the cost, and tell people this message. For some of us, it'll cost us. 
uh, more than others. And so we just need to be uh, about his business. Um, Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, very famous one. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now that's Jesus talking to him right before he uh, heads back to heaven. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the whole point is, he says, man, you're going to be starting here. But remember, they didn't start off in their home in their home area. Galilee was their home area. Their first ministry assignment was to leave their home and go to Jerusalem and do start working there. Then uh, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. And so we need to be going into all the world, places where the gospel has never, ever been before. All right? So how do I know that this is of supreme importance to the Lord? How do I know that he really does want us to go to places where the gospel's never been before, to tell people who've never heard? Remember the scripture I read one time, uh, many times before, Ezekiel 33, 11? Say to them, he's talking about Israel, but it means the same thing no matter who what. As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. That's what God desires. I want people to turn from their wicked way. But how do I know that God really wants this? Because of the first three words he says, as I live. In other words, just as surely as I exist, I want that I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their evil ways and live. Okay? So Isaiah 49, 6 says this. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up uh, the tribes of uh, Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you, and talking about Jesus here, the, his, the Redeemer that he was talking about back then, I will also give you as a light who? To the Gentiles, not just to the Jew, but to everybody else. The different, You know what the difference between a Jew and a Gentile is? A Jew is a Jew and everybody else isn't. That's the point. Everybody in the Bible who is not Jewish is a Gentile. doesn't make what difference your race, your color, your uh, what country you come from. If you're not Jewish, if you're not from an Israelite, you were a Gentile, right? <clears throat> I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to where? To the ends of the earth. So that's the whole point. He wants us to be bring that light to everybody um, so that they can hear and understand. The Lord wants everyone to know. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he wants all be all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's all there is to it. So what do we do? What does that tell us? We either believe God or we don't. Now, after all you've heard about him and what he's done and how he prepared everything, and throughout history, all the examples he's given you of what faith is, what rebellion is, uh, who he is, what man is like. Uh, do you believe God or do you not? And if you do believe him, how do you show that you believe him? Our belief is exhibited in our obedience. In other words, remember what the Lord said there in the, in the Gospels? He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I tell you? In other words, the word Lord means master, owner. Uh, he is the one that has the right to exercise his will over my life. And so that's what we need to understand. He wants us all to be saved. We either believe God or we don't. Uh, Jesus has left to the church. Now, by the church, what I'm talking about is all born-again believers. Jesus has left to the church, those who are born again, 
the responsibility of proclaiming this message to a world who does not know what he has done for them. Our job is to go and tell everybody, no matter who they are, no matter where they're at. So 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. We know that through Jesus Christ. He reconciled us on the cross, all right? And what has he done? And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, that's our ministry, our job, our responsibility as believers is to see people reconciled to him. Now, I don't do the reconciling. All When he says the ministry of reconciliation, what he means is I'm going out and telling a message, giving people an avenue by which they can become reconciled to God. All right, how do I know this? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19, the next verse. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, okay? God did the reconciling, reconciled people to himself. And then what does he say at the end of that verse? And has committed to us, what? The word of reconciliation. So he's given us the responsibility, and he's given us the means by which that that uh, objective can be accomplished of seeing people reconcile to him and that is he's given us he's committed to us the word of reconciliation so we have the word of god that we can uh, uh, tell people so <clears throat> he's done all this he's told his disciples this is important it's like anybody when you give your last speech when washington gave his final uh, farewell speech to congress uh, when lincoln did his same thing and all these different things, many times the last thing that you can share with people is the most important. That's the thing that you feel is the thing you want them to latch onto right before you leave. And so uh, Jesus did the same thing. Acts 1.9, and when he had spoken these things, while they watched, in other words, he'd told them missing, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So in other words, right there in front of their eyes, <clears throat> off he goes, right into heaven. And uh, they're just sitting there blown away. Um, and Isaiah, it's kind of a fulfillment of Isaiah 68, 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from, uh, from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. The part I want to think is you have ascended on high. Yeah, and that's who it's talking about there. He's done that. So Jesus went back to his father. Okay, but there's more. And it says here in verse 10 of chapter 1, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, what they're saying is he's coming back, and he's going to come back the same way he just left. You saw him rise up into heaven, he's going to come back again, all right? Why? Uh, it won't be to deliver people from sin because that's been done. He did that on the cross. Uh, he won't be delivering them from sin or Satan or death. That's been accomplished once and for all. He's already done that. Next time, when he comes back, he will come as a judge of all the earth. That's the point. He will come back as the judge of all the earth. Remember what the Pharisees asked him when they were uh, judging him? Here's what they said, Mark 14, uh, 60 through 62. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, this is when, they're there, when he's being tried, and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. 
And again the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Uh, Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So in other words, he's telling him, yes, I am who I am. I am the Son of the Blessed. And he says, and I'm gonna, you're going to see me sitting on the right hand of God and coming with the clouds in heaven uh, of heaven. So that's why they crucified him, because they knew who he was claiming to be. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, it's kind of jumping ahead, but it, goes, it kind of explains about all of this. Truly, he says in verses 30, uh, Acts 17, 30 and 31, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he, was appoint, he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. In other words, God will judge the world by the man whom he has appointed, which is Jesus Christ. He has given assurance of this to all. How? How do you know that this is going to happen? He says he's given assurance to this uh, to all by raising him from the dead. So just as surely as Jesus rose from the dead, he's coming back to judge all the earth. All right? He's coming back. People will either face Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry. People will either face Jesus as their Savior or as their judge. One of the two. There's not going to be a middle ground there. Our responsibility is to warn and teach people so that, as Solomon once said, that in 1 Kings 8, uh, verse 60, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. That's what we're to proclaim. We want people to understand there's only one God and uh, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So, in conclusion, um, there's going to be one final lesson uh, next week, and that's where I'm going to go and do a little review uh, on uh, what we've uh, uh, talked about all these last year and a half. I know that sounds like it's impossible, but what we're going to do is just talk about a few things I think we need to drive home, and then I just want to explain to you what uh, I'm going to be doing in the future. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to take a little break because I've been doing this now every week. for I've only missed one week in the last year and a half. But what I want to do is there's a little bit I want to continue on. It's not like I'm going to go through all that. Well, I'll, I'll explain it to you next week. Let me put it that way. It's not going to be what you think. It's not going to be as comprehensive as you might think. But it is something I think is important for us to understand. And generally speaking, it's not talked about this way. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um I want to talk about how he's going to be how he's fulfilled his promises and how he's going to continue to do so. So I just want to say thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, like I say, next week is just going to be a little review. I think you'll enjoy it, and then I'll tell you what my plans are for the future. And but then I'm going to also take a a break. I need I've got to get ready for teaching at Bible school, and uh, kind of um, some of this stuff, but not quite as extensive as I just did. So anyway, I just want to say thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for uh, what you've done and, and uh, all the people that have uh, subscribed. Please have people subscribe either to my podcast or to my uh, YouTube channel. Just have them look up my name, Doug Scheibel, S-C-H-A-I-B-L-E. Have them get on and just have them, please, if you can, have them start from the beginning so they can get the whole story. I think it's important, and I think it'll really lay proper foundations for your correct understanding of who God is and what he has accomplished in our behalf. So that being said, just want to say thank you all very much. Love you all. Bye.